three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to the most special episode of the year, the Texas Private School State Championships, the TAP State Championships this week. We have been building for 15 weeks plus the offseason to get to this moment. Every year, our favorite weekend of the year is upon us. As always, I'm half of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson, joining you from Dallas, Texas. Walker Lott, my fantastic co-host, joins us from College Station, Walker after a long, grueling season filled with upsets, surprises, and some dadgum good football, we are at the peak of the mountain. How does it feel to be here? Man, it has been phenomenal. Uh, what a season. Uh, a lot of storylines we did not see coming. A lot of dominance by a lot of teams that we did see coming. And it's just a lot of great football. Some great games that came down to the wire. Some so some seasons by some players that were just uh, unworldly. Just what a season by all these players. And it comes down to these last four games plus six man. Exactly. No, there's six man. We played on Thursday. We'll have 11 man championships on Friday and Saturday. Walker and I will be there for the weekend slate of games. The four games taps D one through D four. We are incredibly excited. We are bringing some friends along with us, both Caleb Corum and Waverly West, two of our interns will be joining us in Waco to help us produce content. Probably will interact with some of you there via interviews and things like that. So as always, if you see any of us walking around the sidelines, don't be afraid. Come say hi. We love getting the chance to interact with y'all. It makes what we do really fun. We can put a name to a face of a guy that we've just been talking about all year. So don't ever hesitate to come up and talk with us or chirp us if we picked you wrong. I know a lot of y'all like doing that, so I'm sure we'll probably get some of that this weekend in Waco as well. But speaking of picks, we have to get into the pick record where I got to toot my own horn. I The, the late season resurgence has has been absolutely insane. I went seven and one last week. Walker went six and two. In terms of the overall record, I am now 192 and 56. Walker is 190 and 58. And it comes down to this week, and still still a very good shot to win it, Walker. We all, I'm pretty sure, have our respective picks locked in. We haven't told each other who we're picking yet, so nobody's nobody's trailing picks or anything. This is it's gonna come down to it. Walker, um, a very up and down year for both of us in the pick record. I will say we didn't get killed as bad as we have in past years. I'm too lazy to go back through the dock and figure out what we went last year, but I think. Uh, I think this is this has been a good year for us regarding picks. Yeah, it has been a good one. I'm proud of us. Uh, I think I was doing the percentages on the phone right now. Uh, what is your my percentage is seventy six percent, seventy seven. Um, that's a great percentage in my opinion. That's three fourths of on hundred percent basically, and I mean that's a really good percentage on the year. Uh, hopefully I can end it on a good note though. I'm sitting at almost 78% or technically 77.4. So that rounds down to 77. I am. Um, so not, not, I, I apologize. No context put out a tweet that, uh, that claimed that I was, or that, yeah, that I was, it's getting very, getting, it's getting very confusing to mix all this together, but no context. Hmm. I, no, no, no. You finish your statement. You finish your statement. I have no context to put out a tweet that read um, that was claiming that I was the best uh, picker by percentage out of anyone that picks private school games in the state. Um, 
in actually a bit incorrect. I went and I looked up. Uh, it's it's Cav Zero. I forget his name. He's the uh, he's the oh. he's the guy. Yeah, the the math uh, the director of mathematics or the math teacher at um AM Commerce. That's been picking games as long as I can remember. I remember picking him games whenever we were uh, whenever we were in school. It's Cav underscore Zero. I can't believe his name escapes me right now. But I went and I looked and um Cavender Campbell. Is- Cavender Campbell, fantastic. By the way, go go yeah. look up his uh, go look up his picks. He does a fantastic job on all kinds of picks. But he actually does have a better pick record than me. I don't know how that's changed up to this point. Um, but yeah, I do have to admit I was or sorry I wasn't wrong. No context was slightly wrong. That all being said, um, that Holy Cross pick did a lot for me. I really did think I was sticking my neck out there, but my rationale was go on. And speaking oh. of that, uh. West Hollison allowed me uh, to go come against the board to appeal uh, the result of that pick. Um, so really quickly, I'll give some background on that. Uh, Walker is formally appealing to have the Holy Cross versus Cypress game thrown out of the pick record. Um, yeah, that's basically the background. He's going to present why he thinks that the game should be thrown out. And he's pitching the case to the uh, the head of the TXPS pick record board, which is me. I have designated myself that, that yeah, member. Yeah, well, we could talk about the more ga- the game itself later, but this is kind of a thing. I need every game I can. You know what I mean? And if you allow that, that means we tie. And if we tie, that means that I'm going to guess at least one of our games is going to be different this week. And if that's true and I win that game, we tie going into the last week of the season and we end the season on an equal note. And to do that, I'm going to say to figure out who then is the winner, I think we pick the six man state championships just in case and we find out who is the wait, state champ, the state picker winner uh, by the six man games. That is my appeal because I think that's good content. So that's the full appeal to in its in its extent. Yes. Appeal denied. What all those works all those words for nothing? All those Yeah. I, I'm it the game was played. Um I'm I'm not throwing it out because that we might think that one team wasn't playing as hard as they should have. If if that was the rationale, don't and, and don't think I don't think I haven't forgot that you and Ryan last year imposed a two-game penalty on me for 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 wanting to change my pick before the game even started. Don't think that's not in the back of my mind making this decision. Okay, but that's not my fault that you wanted to go back on your pick. I've not gone. Back I, I on went my back pick. on it before the game even started. But that it was already put out there. Like the the game has already been put out into the YouTube episode, into Spotify. The game you cannot change your pick afterwards so, on that. So here's what I'm saying: if there, if some evidence came about that like Cypress was intentionally throwing this game, which they clearly weren't, then yes, we would go back and throw it out. However, no, no, I I'm not. I, mean, I said this off air. I am not throwing away an entire season of work to basically just go into the last to, to give up a lead that I have worked for to to be the only person on the show that has ever won the pick record two years in a row. I, I am not throwing it out. Y'all can let us know in the comments or on Instagram if this is a fair ruling or not. However, this this is my final decision. I just don't think he loves content. That's what I'm hearing from this. I don't think he wants a good show because he's scared he's gonna lose the pick record. And that's just me personally. I I'm I mean 
Oh, I clearly love content, which is why we had we just had an, an application, and then I I then I knew I was going to deny the entire I, time. I just feel like there was a bias behind the approval or disapproval of that ruling. I just want to say that I think there was there's bias. a bias in in everything I do. I feel like I should get a phone call to an unbiased opinion, and that opinion we, should be Ryan Schroeder. No, no, because because you and Ryan schemed against me. No, we're not. We, it, I will, I will die on this hill. I, okay. I might not like content, but I love winning. And you I, hear it, I will not, you hear, folks. You hear, folks. Again, th- this might not be the final page of this, but I, I'm not throwing the pick record away just because Cypress hurt your feelings. Look, I am not going to, uh, be a sore loser. I am not that type of guy but I'm going to fight everything within the legal amount to get that win. You know what I mean? I'm going to fight. Part of this is that Holy Cross pick is one of the greatest picks I've ever had in the last three years covering ball. That was, I stuck my neck out and, and, and it just, it hit. And I, that's after getting killed on the Prestonwood pick. So again, as a, as, as Thanos once said, perfectly balanced as all things should be. That's a good way. That's a great way to end it. And uh, yeah, but, what a season for both of us. I'll give you that. And, you know, hopefully the pick records can end up in a certain way that, you know, we, I have a chance, but I don't think it will, but you never know. I, yeah, if it, if it comes down and we're both tied um at the end of the state games, I say, I say, we just, I say we do a coin flip in the press box to win it on video. I think <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm good. Okay. With that. So I think that is the longest we have ever spent. Um, on on pick record so we will move on uh we will move on to the scoreboard recap which as always uh the five games in the left hand column we will detail in depth but that leaves only three more games for us to go over very quickly the first one being dallas christian versus trinity lubbock and dc wins this game 24 to 14 much much closer than anyone expected i think the line was probably dc minus 35 and a half or something along that line um this is very surprising to me because our one of the main questions that we had on the episode last week was, can this year's Trinity team keep it closer than last year's, even without Marcus Ramon Edwards? Because on one side, you lose a power five level talent in Marcus Ramon Edwards. On the other side, all of these young guys, which there were a lot of them contributing, have gotten a year older and they're more experienced. Clearly, this team did have a better chance. The guys I talked to around D.C. Uh, really thought that that TCS team was very, very solid, but the end of the day dc gets a 10 point win going back to state for their i think it's their fourth consecutive year 2021 yeah fourth consecutive year so walker not probably not the performance that the chargers are looking for however they find themselves in waco nonetheless yeah um you know what i you got to give tcs credit in this one even without a guy like marcus ramon edwards on there that team by itself is very solidified and very solid top to bottom of just good football players. And they have a lot of talent out there in Lubbock. And I, we need to try to figure out a way to go out there and go watch them again. But what a win for them, or what a win for DC over a tough team. And that's probably the thing that they probably walked into after the first quarter. We're like, oh, this is going to be tougher than we thought. And being able to bounce back from being like, oh, we're kind of like the David versus Goliath type of thing where maybe Goliath or yeah, Goliath got hit a little bit and didn't know how to react. They, you know, of course became DC and we're like, all right, we're going to win this game, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, Jane Davis, 110 yards on the ground. Luke Carney, 20-23 for 160 and a touchdown. And, uh, you know, multiple guys receiving the ball. Corey Taylor, William Nettles, uh, Speedy, 
Jane Davis, Jaheen Crawl, a couple guys that really did all they need to on that. So yeah, what a what a win for DC and making the what did you say four straight, five straight state titles? Four straight. Four straight. What a what a decade of dominance for DC. Absolutely. So moving on into the next game, Northland versus Dallas First Baptist. And another game that was a lot closer than it feels like it should have been. I know the final score doesn't quite indicate that, but First yeah. Baptist beats Northland 49 to 28. This was, I think, a one or two score game heading into the fourth quarter. Very close until First Baptist really extended that lead late in the game. But ultimately, they get a win. I mean, Northland was very salty, but Ultimately, they were no match for a man named Elijah Kaysen, who just apparently scores just whenever he feels like scoring. That's very uh, evident with 33 touchdowns on the season, a number that I think is very 34. Oh, yeah, 34. 34 touchdowns on the season. Very hard to fathom. But, Walker, you do have to give Northland their flowers here. Um, They gave First Baptist pretty much everything I could handle, and at the end of the day just ultimately fell a little bit short. Your thoughts? on although the the final score was about 20 points it was more like a one or two score game yeah I, well first i want to apologize because i was supposed to cover that game and something came up and it was just crazy and i i apologize for not being there but secondly what is what a game for northland you know and this is a team that i mean every other game almost puts up 60 to 70 points a game that's just usually what they do and being able to withstand that and and letting it be a seven point game with seven thirty left in the game. That's a close, close game. And you got to give Northland credit where they, they were not even the best team in their district. North Brazos was, and they weren't the best team coming out of the South. Hallowsville was, and they still fought to the very end and gave uh first Baptist their best game of the season. That's a tough, tough task. And you have to shout out coach Allen and those guys, man, just an overall solid team. Um, I'm just so and so impressed with that. And I hope they understand like they they gave them the the outright favorites in D4 all year, the the best game of the season. And I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see where that could have been ended up actually being like the state championship with if Lubbock doesn't if kind of Lubbock repeats what they did earlier in the season, you know what I mean? So first Baptist or Northland, what a game for them. But I also want to shout out like kind of like DC and the other game. Shouting out First Baptist of being like, okay, we're still the favorites and even getting hit in the mouth a little bit, being able to respond and be like, okay, we have the talent to do this. They do that. And shout out Jason LeVorn and the guys making their first uh, championship in a very long time, I believe, since 2009. I believe that's the, the right set. I will tell you more about it later when I have that pulled up. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether these close games are kind of hurt these teams realizing that there might be some holes in the armor or whether it's a good thing to give both these teams competitive games heading into state whereas they've pretty much blown through everyone else that's a interesting dynamic to think about moving on into the last game before we cover the others Hallsville Sacred Heart versus Lubbock Christian Lubbock Christian gets a 39 to 11 win uh they handle Sacred Heart handily um yeah, there's there's not a whole lot to extrapolate from this. Lovick putting up 40 points is a good sign after they got they got held um I think to to 14 or 21 against First Baptist. Um pretty much the most competitive team that they have seen since First Baptist. It's going to set up a really interesting championship matchup longer. Yeah, and I know uh Hallisville had a couple of injuries, you know, Brady Haas I think was out with injuries, Husson Kutak was out with injuries during the game. So a lot of their kind of their big players kind of went out with injury and it was, you know, it kind of resulted in the score that it was, but I mean, that's no excuse, you know, Lubbock Christian had a big big win. 
even without their star quarterback. So both sides dealing with injuries and one comes out with the win and a huge win for Lubbock over an undefeated Hallettsville team. So uh, credit to Lubbock for getting there uh, and getting back to the state championship in division four and for Hallettsville, what a season, man. Um, 11 and 0 going into that week. Now ends the season 11 one, probably if I had to guess their best season in school history, or if they made state, then right, right near there, near it. They produce a division one talent in Nick Angerstein, which I mean, from a division one school, division four school in taps, that's insane. And multiple big talented players, Brady Haas, uh, Austin Kutak or Hudson Kutak and multiple other guys, man, what a season for them. They should be pretty, very, very proud over there in Hallettsville. Just what a season for them. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic season, no matter what way you slice it. Just an absolutely fantastic effort from Hallettsville Sacred Heart this year. But that being said, we will move into the five games that we're going to recap further, starting with a game that I was at Friday evening, Parrish versus Antonium. The Parrish offense just explodes in a season-high 73-point effort as they best Antonian 73-41 to to advance to the state title game. Maddox Reed had a monster game rushing for 289 yards, 289, almost 300 yards, and five, you heard that right, five touchdowns behind a great effort from Sam Liu, Jacob Picanio, and the rest of this stud Parrish offensive line. Purdue commit Sawyer Anderson also shows that with 312 passing yards and four touchdowns, throwing them to Reed, Jalen Pyle, and Bryson Fields. Senior linebacker Caleb Bowers just took over the game in his return to the gridiron, walking away with 26 tackles, one and a half sacks, a pass breakup, and our player of the game honors. As for Antonium, Jace Toscano, Riley Strode, Jaden Villarreal, and Landon Prouty all had great performances for the Apaches, who really kept up with Parrish until late in the fourth. You know, you'd look up, and it'd be, it is basically Antonian kind of kept it at a two-score game all the way until Parrish kind of broke it open in the fourth. A really, really good effort from Antonian to go and take it to one of the best teams we've ever seen in private school football. So shout out to all of them. But ultimately, Parrish is going back to attempt their uh, – they're going to attempt to win their fifth straight state title, which is crazy to think about. Walker, your thoughts on Parrish advancing to the state championship? I love that D1 is very competitive this year. I know the score doesn't look like it, but that was a competitive game. And on both sides of the bracket, it was a very, very competitive. We'll talk more about the other game. But, man, I just love for the first time in a while, it's not some blowouts going into the state championship. You know what I mean? Even though the kind of score is a lot of points. But, man, you got to shout out this Antonian team for showing so much grit and determination making the semifinals this year. Um I love that, you know, Rally Strode was a guy that I remember when we were looking at underclassmen of the year a couple of years ago, we were like, all right, who's this kid that we got, got all district and all that? We were hearing from sources down there and we were like, okay, we need to look into him. And we we're like, okay, this kid's going to be so special. And man, what a player. And, you know, he's been like that all, you know, last year um, and was again this year, man. What, what a player. And Jace Toscano, we, I've been talking about him all year of how underrated that kid is, man. Um, you know, smart kid knows where to put the ball is poised, comfortable, and just makes plays happen. And you saw that putting up 40 points on Parrish, man. What a, what a game. Landon Prouty comes in and does a lot for that team. Jaden Villarreal. It's going to be interesting to see how they do next year. Mike, a lot of senior class, very gone, of course. And Mikey Moreno comes back and is probably going to be the face of that team next year, if I had to guess. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how Tony bounces back next year. Um, but Parrish. Caleb Bowers, man, that was a guy who remember when we were talking about it in the off season that 
we said that that Preston would transfer. He had a great season last year for them, but he was going to be a guy coming into his own his senior year so raw, and it was going to be a big impact transfer. And then, you know, he gets hurt, especially with Parker Meese going on to IMG, who's going to be that linebacker for them. And they had other guys to fill it. So it was not that big of an issue. But when you have a guy like Caleb Bowers coming into your defense, he makes plays right away. And you saw that this game. Um, so raw, so athletic. What a player, man. And Caleb Bowers dominated his first game back from injury. Yeah, absolutely. Really no question about who got player of the game. I say that it was between him and Maddox with 289 rushing yards and five touchdowns. But the uh, the story with with Bowers just coming back from injury and literally the first play he goes and gets a sack. I mean, it's it was he is going to be a key piece for them and he'll be very much needed in that game versus St. Thomas, which we will preview here shortly. But before that, we have to speak about the D2 South semifinal, which featured Austin Regents and Second Baptist, where sophomore quarterback Quinn Murphy throws for 215 yards and three touchdowns as Regents takes care of second, 34-7. to Murphy tossed two touchdowns to senior Hudson Powell, who had 137 yards receiving, and another to sophomore Cade Millington. This game was really a dominant defensive effort from the Knights, headlined by Jacob Wilburn's 12 tackles and Wyatt Blazak's three sacks. I mean, Regents hangs its hat on a really solid defense. They've crushed teams all year. Second Baptist was no exception. Walker, your thoughts on Regents after a brief hiatus, finding themselves back in the state championship? Yeah, what a season, man, for them. They stay undefeated, I believe, right, and continue into dominance this year. Um you know, I've never seen I, – I have to think this – I have to say this because it's so funny. The, the Second Baptist Twitter, official Twitter, said uh, they talked about the turnovers in that game. I've never seen an actual, like, Twitter be like, look, we had five turnovers in the first half. Like, they tweeted out seven total turnovers in this game, five from Second Baptist, two from Regents, and that was in a half. And I wouldn't be surprised Ooh. if there's more in the second half as well. I was trying to watch it or at least listen to it when I was driving back down to Houston for the other game. We'll talk about it in a second. But, man, it, it started out where it, it it was like Second Baptist was just allergic of the end zone. Uh, uh, J.D. Chris or someone does a great run to get inside the five and then fumble. It happens right off uh, out of there. Next drive, a uh, great play by uh, Cannon Toon gets inside the 10. All right, next play, he throws the interception at the two-yard line. They get all the way down to inside the two, inside the one, at the one-yard line, and they just cannot punch it in. That happened multiple times in the first half, just multiple, multiple plays where they were just like, they were just, I guess, like, I don't know what happened, but, man, they just could not get into the end zone. And that, you know, that kind of cost them. And, and, you know, even though it was a closer game at the start, Quinn Murphy and the rest of the guys, that offense is just special. And they keep, and then they control the lead, push it out more and more and more, and ended up 34-7. Um, I know Hudson Powell had two touchdowns in the first half. A very, you know, of course, go up and get it type of plays. And at six seven, no one really can really touch him in those. I saw that Quinn Murphy uh, didn't really play a lot of the fourth quarter, but uh, from sources I've talked to, it seems like he's good to go, not having to worry about that. And Jack Devine, the 27 phenom, got some playing minutes in the semifinal game, which you don't see often a freshman in the semifinal game. And he got some good minutes there and looked very, very good. So. Either way, great game for Regents. On the flip side now, like I always like to talk about, what does this do for Second Baptist? You lose multiple Division One guys, J.D. Chris, Charlie Shears, um, maybe a couple guys on the offensive line. You lose Jackson Powers. Uh, you lose Turner Murdoch, of course, and you lose maybe a couple other guys. But 
you have a deep class and you have a lot of young guys ready to step up, especially in that 26 and 25 classes. Uh, Bryce Butler, Langston Davis, Cannon Toon, uh, Baptiste, uh, uh, our, uh, whew, I forget the, the corner number nine, um, and a couple other guys, man, they have a solid team. Uh, uh it's just going to be interesting to see how this team does. Cause they have talent to still compete at second Baptist. You're always going to have a guy or two that can keep, keep them in games. It's going to be interesting to see how they do with also for, uh, Fort Ben next year, uh, how they going to look. It's going to be interesting to see in that district and district four, especially with Cypress coming up too. Yeah, exactly. That's going to throw a wrench in everything, but it'll certainly be interesting to focus on. We will detail that when we get around to previews of divisions. But for now, we're going to move on to a Division One semifinal matchup that Walker got to cover that you got correct and I did not. That is St. Thomas versus Prestonwood. What did that look like? Man, what a barn murder. Uh, I was looking at it. Shout out to LSCSN. If you ever need the stats, go talk to them. But uh, supposedly, uh, according to them, most points in an 11-man game by teams combined, by both teams combined in 23, involving at least one private school. 135 combined points by St. Thomas and PCA, where St. Thomas took the lead and won 73-62. to 62, And it, both teams just couldn't stop scoring. Um, I mean, that's literally how it was. Um, I mean, you could talk about how in the fourth quarter, there were multiple times that uh, Johan Cardenas could have went down and, you know, run out the clock because I think that's going to be a difference maker. And we'll talk about more in the parish game, but he was the difference maker in this game. That backfield was scary. Nine total touchdowns for him and Dante, um, seven total touchdowns for Johan Cardenas. The, the Vandy commit is something special. And I will go to bat saying that I think he's the, one of the most underrated guys in the state. I think guys are undervaluing him so much. And I could see him going to Vandy, being a thousand yard rusher for multiple years. And then everyone's going to be like, where'd he come from? Where'd he come from? And he's going to be in Texas's backyard and he's going to dominate for years to come. That's how good of a player he is. But seven touchdowns and he honestly could score these. He got, I don't think he ever was really negative in most, most of his runs, five yards of carry. I would, his probably average is like 7.5 yards of carry. And he just got whatever he wanted that game, especially in the fourth quarter where they could just not stop him. And there were multiple times where he could have just went down, drained the clock and this game would have been so much a very smaller score than it was, but he couldn't stop scoring. And every time he had, he broke it, it was a 40 yard touchdown. They went down, scored. He took another 40 yard touchdown by himself. It was just back, back and forth. And that's kind of how it ended up that being that big of a score but i want to say um when we're talking about this game um really what came to play was honestly defense um which is crazy in a game like this but multiple interceptions by our player of the game uh luke edgecombe who had a an interception in the first half and then in the second half he had a 103 yard pick six but and after that it was kind of really St. Thomas's way. Where from the start, St. Thomas has started off big, uh, got an interception, or they scored on their first drive, got an interception, stopped on them again. And since then, it was kind of there. Uh, St. Thomas kind of took the lead and kind of didn't really stop scoring after that. And PCA was just pretty much playing catch up the entire game, try to keep it within 10. And that's what they ended up doing. But St. Thomas, what a game plan. Their offense was phenomenal and their defense came to play too. And it was actually. Um, when you talk about this score, it, it doesn't – I'm trying to say the right words. It doesn't result the fact of what the defense did because uh, in total, Preston Wood was 29 of 59 tonight for less than a 50% completion rate on their passes. So the defense really came to play, and I have to shout them out because um, there were multiple times – 
great plays by all defensive backs. Um, Keenan Bonner was a guy that really stood out to me. Aaron Valentine made a couple plays. Their defense just came to play and made a lot of plays to stop that passing attack for Preston Wood. Um, if that offense is clicking like they are, man, I don't know how you stop that offense. And the defense is talented enough with uh, Michael Anthony Kuro back on the defensive line, Tyler Day in the middle, and everyone I just mentioned on the DB spots. They're a defense that can play enough where if you get into shootouts like this one, they'll make enough plays to win the game. So that's what you saw in this one. On the other side, Prestonwood, man, um, what a season for them. You know, they they – they fought press perish until the very end of their, their game to compete with them for the first time in a while in a tough one. And in this one, and with the best team in Houston in a very long time, Preston Wood really competes again. Well, again, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I love, I, we say this every time of how they're going to look next year. Um, they lose Kellen Tasby, Nathan LaPerry, Gunnar Navar, uh, Niver, sorry, Gunnar Navar. Um, who else on that team? They lose a couple other guys that I just don't know on the top of my head, but they lose a talented senior class. But guys who's guys who stuck out to me, Caden Collins at that 25 running back. Jack Harwell is the best interior defensive lineman prospect we have probably in TXPS. He is a stud. There are multiple times he just showed pure strength throughout the game. Um, man, what a season. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how they do going forward. They have a lot of talent. It's gonna be interesting to see how they use it. But St. Thomas gets the big win. Shout out to the offensive line for St. Thomas for helping them in that massive day on the ground. But yeah, that's really it for me. What are your thoughts about it? Yeah, my rule of thumb for forever with Division One is if a D if a Northern team is playing a Southern team, you take the Northern team because I've tried to get cute a few times and it just never works. This game shows that this year is different with the South, or at least yep. with St. Thomas. Again, we'll get into it more whenever we preview the game, but this has been a year of increased parity in D1, and this game shows it. This game shows that we said at the beginning of the year, we've been hammering it all year. If there's ever a year for the South, if there's ever a year for St. Thomas, it's here and it's now. And we're going to see that on, uh, it's going to be, yeah, on Friday. It's it's going to be fun. I'm really excited to see how that goes. St. Thomas obviously proves with this game. They finally get over the hump, they beat a northern team. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, like you said, that that backfield of Dante and Johan is is absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's you add in guys like Edgecombe to throw to, it's crazy. It's the best backfield in the state. I, I argue with a wall. Dante Lewis is also, I might say he might be the best player in the state, regardless of who you is. I think Johan Cardenas is the best player in the state. Thank you. Hey, there's a there's a point to be made. I've got a couple guys that come to mind, but that'll be an off-season debate once we get stats and stuff. Well, I guess that'll come out whenever we give MVPs yeah. out, but it'll it'll be interesting. We're certainly going to see in the game this weekend. Moving on down to Division 3, Holy Cross shocks D3 and punches their ticket to Waco with an emphatic 32 to 22 victory over the Southern favorite Cypress Christian. Senior quarterback Gibby Alvarado throws for 271 yards with two touchdowns to junior athlete Marco Gomez, who tallied 226 all-purpose yards, and another to senior Jeremiah Vallejo, who picked up a score on the ground. Vallejo and J.J. Acosta led the Knights defensively with 10 and 11 tackles, respectively, as this was an elite effort to contain Cypress's dominant rushing attack. So, 
as I mentioned, a pick I kind of stuck my neck out for, but not really. When you go back and you look at how good Holy Cross has been all season, you go back to last year and saw that they they fought Cyprus and had a chance to win at the very end of the game. I don't think it was as risky as a pick as it seemed. Um, this team can ball and they get hidden away because they're in San Antonio and they're not in as big of a metropolitan area like Houston or Dallas. Gibby Alvarado, Vallejo, J.J. Acosta, all those kids can ball. I think it's going to be interesting. We're going to see – we're probably going to see at least something interesting whenever they match up against D.C. Again, we'll preview that here in a little bit. But Walker, Holy Cross goes out, gets it done, gets to their first state championship, maybe ever, at least in a long time. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I believe it is their first state championship appearance ever in TAPS. What a season for them. Um, you know, we, we talk, we've talked all year about this offense, right? But something that is interesting was their defense. Really, we didn't talk about a lot. They shut out a lot of teams really well this year where it was like 70 to 6. You know what I mean? And this was another game. I believe they were – I believe how how the game went. Cyprus was up at half, and then they didn't score the rest of the game until a a fumble that was returned for a touchdown with like two minutes left in the game. They didn't score in the second half, and that's a credit to the Holy Cross defense. You have to be proud about them. What a game for them. And then the offense fired it up in the second half. And what a, what a season for them. They stay good. They stay solid. They go into this week, uh, the underdogs, which probably as Holy Cross, you know, a team from San Antonio, they they love that idea. And they love being the underdogs. And I think they're going to come with some fire. Other side, I have to talk about it. Cypress Christian. We knew their their running game was going to be the thing. You know, Becca Sweeney only attempted six passes, and one one of them was an interception. Um, John Kelly, twenty four carries in a game that sh- I mean he needs more. And eighty seven yards is just not going to cut in a game like this. Eighty seven yards on the ground for John Kelly is just not going to touch. Uh, is not going to be good enough. Three point six yards per attempt, not good enough. Touch two touchdowns, and I'm not even blaming him. That that he is your engine of that team. When the engine, like he's the guy that is going to be make or break. He's going to make the points and all of this. You need everyone around him also has to get him to that point. It's a team game. Eleven men on the field. You have to have blockers. You have to have the receivers being able to block on the outside. Blah 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 blah. John Kelly only getting eighty seven yards is not enough in, in that game to win it. And it, it's kind of just crazy because they've been able to run the ball all year and that San Antonio defense came to play in this one and you have to give credit to them being able to stop an SEC type type caliber or SEC caliber running back is so impressive by San Antonio you have to give them credit being able to only hold him to 87 yards on 24 carries phenomenal job um it was so interesting watching that game because it was like it's I'm not going to say they didn't want to win but it was just crazy because like they're in a fourth down. They run out of bounds instead of staying in. And then on the next, they get a three and out. They they punt it away back to Cypress. He muffs the punt, and they're then they're in the end zone. Like it was stuff like that where you're just watching. And you're like, they're just making so many mental mistakes that you don't see by a usual Coach Hogan team. You know what I mean? Like it's those are just not usually times. Maybe it was by that time. You know, I think it was like seven minutes left. Maybe they thought it. You know what? It's already kind of ball game, but. It's just an interesting thing where this Cypress team was. This is not how I thought they were going to play their game. I thought they were going to score a lot more than they did, but so much credit to that San Antonio team. So much credit um, for Cypress. You know, you lose a couple, a 
big talented senior class, a lot of solid dudes that they've had since, you know, what is that? Their sophomore year winning state. So what a season for them. What a, what a senior class that has got them so far. You know, you lose, of course, Zeke Hogan, JD Potts, um, Brody Cute Johnson, uh, Owen, Andrew Owen, uh, I believe maybe Jacob Rouch is a 24 as well. So they have a very talented senior class that is now graduating. Of course, they have their MVP and John Kelly still, they're going to be there next year. Um, but it's going to Warren Hayduck, I believe is a 25 as well. So they have talented dudes. It's going to be interesting to see how Cypress responds the next year, not being in a division three anymore and being a talented district like district four and D2. I agree. And I think that raises the question, how good was Cypress relative to DC? Because if Holy Cross can go out there and beat Cyprus like that, and theoretically right. they could go out and compete with DC. And then we see last week, DC gets kind of caught up in a war with TCS, and we thought they would blow the doors off of them. It's speculation. We will answer those questions very shortly here in terms of our picks and everything else. Like I said, I think there's a lot more parity this year. I think for the first time in a, in a few years, we're not going in and saying these are the four teams that are going to win. It's kind of a done deal, and I'm excited for that. I think it makes the game much, much better. But before we can get into those previews, we have one more game to recap. Another Division II semifinal. This one was a rematch between Liberty Christian and Fort Worth All Saints. Liberty does not allow history to repeat itself as they dominate the semifinals, beating All Saints 45-17 to behind six touchdowns from UConn commit Cole Welliver. Welliver threw for 285 yards and found each Jalen Hawkins, Brady Janusek, and Quentin Brown twice for scores as Brown led the core with 91 yards. Defensively, Max Saul and Maddox Sakiri dominated as Saul went for three sacks and two forced fumbles, Ooh. and Sakiri had a sack and a forced fumble as well. And these weren't just like little kind of touch, like touch the quarterback's arm as he's throwing the ball and it pops out. Max Saul sent sent the opposing quarterback into the shadow realm like three times. It he crushed him. It was it was honestly insane. And I remember I'll give us credit. We were out there at Liberty in the offseason and they've got two great tackles in Nate Humphreys and uh Keaton, Keaton Smith. Keaton Smith Keaton Smith, yeah. And Max Saul was going up against, I think he was Keith, and, and um, we're just like watching, and Saul just, Saul whipped him. And we were like, this kid's good. And then he went and he whipped somebody else again. And I was like, I think Max Saul's going to be a good player for Liberty. And obviously he has been. He just went absolutely crazy. C.J. Witten, Cooper Witten, and Nick Blevins were impressive on the defensive end as well. So was Janusek, but that's honestly redundant because Janusek just appears to, to destroy everyone at whatever position he's playing. Yep. As for All Saints, Keldon Ryan looked incredibly impressive even in the loss as he found Kevin Doddard and Kwamate Williams for big games. Uh, it's It speaks to how good Keldon Ryan is against a Liberty defense that has crushed everyone they've played. Whenever you saw Keldon Ryan start to scramble, you pretty much knew he was going for 10 yards. Against a lot of other teams in taps, you can kind of chalk that up to, okay, well, he's much more talented than the kids he's playing. Against Liberty, that excuse isn't there. Anytime that he took off, you're like, it's probably going for 15 yards. He's a heck of a ball player. I'm so excited that we have another season of him at All Saints. It's going to be really fun to watch. But Walker, Liberty gets it done here, and it wasn't wasn't really a nail-biter. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um Man, you know, I, I picked All Saints because I thought Kilner Ryan and company could do it and kind of pull off the, as history was last year, pull off kind of the upset. But, man, this defense came to play. 
and I was able to watch it. You know, I was watching the live stream and just, you know, Max Saul, of course, like you mentioned, and Sakiri. Like, I was watching them, and I was texting Wes. I was like, dude, these guys are balling today. Like, they're putting everything on the line. And a guy that really stood out to me is, you know, uh, we talk about him a lot, and he was a transfer when I remember when we talked about him. We were like, oh, my gosh, like, I cannot believe he's going there because he they're about to wreck havoc. Cole Welliver is that guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you have a Division One quarterback and he's been in the names for recruiting forever, you're like, okay, he's just going to be that dude. And, you know, go in and you, you we watch him at the QB retreat. We watch him in the spring ball and we're like, okay, he's good and good. And you kind of just remember, like, you just kind of you kind of settle down. You're like, okay, he's a good quarterback. Like, that's just who he is. He's going D1, whatever. But then he puts up performances like this. And you realize how, like, truly special a guy like that is. You know what I mean? There were some balls that were just put right where you needed them to be. And that, that first touchdown to Hawkins is one of the best balls cow. I've seen this year. That one and the ball to Brown, to, uh, to Q. Yeah, to yes. Q in the in the left corner of the end zone. As he's taking an absolute shot when he's when he's throwing the ball. I just I don't know how many people in the state can make that throw. It's probably less than probably less than you can count on your fingers. And it's just like and, you know, this is probably the first team because the whole season, their offensive line probably held them really well. He didn't have to do much. He just could relax in the pocket, throw where he needed to be. This is the first game, of course, where he had to go and be a little adjusting. He had to take, you know, a little bit more mobile and run around in the pocket a little bit and take some, you know, use his legs a little bit. And it was easy for him. He His pocket awareness was able to get where he needed to be, make throws on the run a little bit, not really where he needed to be strong instead. Oh, man, what a game for Cole Oliver. And, you know, he, you know, I think he'll do great at UConn. I, I would be, I, I don't know how more colleges are not looking at him, but he's going to end up being like the, probably the career record holder of passing yards at UConn, man. He's going to be sensational at UConn. And hey, man, if he keeps this up, he might, we might be watching him on Sundays one day. Absolutely. He, I mean, 6'6", six, six, like 215, checks every box of the intangibles, can obviously throw the football if you go through and look at any clip that we have Coelho's name in. Uh, just, and plus, throwing to all of those guys, I, I can't imagine a more perfect scenario for a quarterback to be in. Oh, yeah, and your head coach is Jason Witten. It's kind of a, a match made in heaven on that end. But, yeah, Liberty absolutely dominates that game. Also, great season from all Saints. I mean, Oh yeah. You don't want to go you don't want to go out losing to Liberty twice, but I mean Coach Beck and that staff is is building something special. Um I, I think the support they have behind that program is incredibly, incredibly important. They're gonna be fine. They're and especially with Liberty moving up to D one. I mean, D two might belong to all Saints for the years to come, but it'll be yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see where you lose the daughter twins, you lose Reed Watkins, you lose uh Cole Edridge, you lose Darius Quilcott. Uh, guys like that. So they lose a, couple, a lot of talented guys. The guys have been there for a while, but Kelvin Ryan, Q Williams, uh, other guys, the young guys that 26 and 27, you mentioned Tyron Meeks and others. They have uh, Ian Bothwell. They have dudes, man. And uh, uh, they're going to be fine. It, it's, I, I really do think if you want to say next year, it's going to be them or Reed's going to be the favorites for next year. Something going on over there. Yeah, I was trying to grab my cat. He, um, uh, I think he knows what I'm recording and just really doesn't like being on camera. So, understandable, understandable. Yeah, but what? What? I think they'll be fine. They're going to be probably the favorites going into next year in the South or in Division Two. Going to be interesting to watch. Absolutely, will be incredibly interesting. But 
as for game recaps, that is all that we have. We will talk about some other news before we get into the state championship previews. And the first one being Elijah Kaysen having an incredible season. I have said over and over again, the most underrated guy in the state. And you're about to hear why. Through all of these games he has this season, he has 34 touchdowns. That puts him that puts him fourth in the single season record in Texas high school football for receiving touchdowns behind names such as Tredavian Davison, Brandon Ashcraft, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. It puts him ahead of names such as CeeDee Lamb, Marvin Mims, Jordan Shipley. Um, absolutely elite company to be in. Scoring 34 touchdowns in a single season as a receiver, coming from someone that played receiver, is unfathomable to me. It's, uh, it's I think it's like 10 times the amount of, of touchdowns I ever scored in a season. Uh, he, he is such a dadgum special talent, man. And listen, he has a great yep. chance to move up this list. He could get as high as second, um, be second when this is all said and done. Walker, 34 touchdowns for Elijah Case, and he has another game to go out and move that up. Your thoughts on what has been up just a ridiculous season? I mean, wow. I mean, what a season. Like, you know, you got to see him live, and I'm excited to go watch him live this week. And he's just he's phenomenal. And he's a guy that we've been talking about for years now. And we're just like, this guy is so much, like, un- he's such an underrated cat in the state receiver-wise. He does everything he wants to as a receiver, and I hope he breaks the record or he's at least dang close to it. And being up there with guys like we mentioned last year, like what a what a season for them. And you know what? Like I if like there should never be doubters about this team. Like these team, these guys are dudes, man. There, there's a reason so many of those guys are gonna go to division one. They're talented, talented players, and you're seeing them week in and week out showing that every week. So very proud. Absolutely. I will also just say, sorry, my attention span is, I, I think TikTok is ruining all of our brains, but I was on Twitter and I saw, I saw David Robinson, the wide receiver trainer and the wide receivers coach at first Baptist just tweet yeah. out wide out second hoop and play basketball. It will do wonders for your game at the receiver position. College coaches love wide receivers with a basketball background. It translates in many areas on the football field. And I just, I have to put that in here because I cannot agree more with that statement. I really hate this notion that, if you're a football player and you want to be an elite football player, you only play football. And when football is done, you only focus on playing football. I think kids should play as many sports as possible. It makes you a more well-rounded athlete. And seeing seeing a an elite wide receiver trainer tweet that out, I think it's fantastic. I know that doesn't really fit the the entire thing of what we're doing, but I I had to put that in there because I really do like that. But yeah, um, Elijah Kaysen, really good at football, along with everyone else in that First Baptist team who we will cover as we get into our state championship previews. But not before a word from our sponsor, High Point Signs and Apparel. High Point has been fantastic to us all season. Um, And also, as y'all know, again, we're wearing our merch all the time. We didn't think there was any way we could get this done. Uh, trying to design and execute it's it's a hard thing when you're looking down the barrel of it and at the end of the day we were incredibly lucky to find somebody local in college station that said hey we can help you with this we'll take care of it and you know everyone says that but not everyone can deliver on those promises and we can say emphatically that high point does they don't miss deadlines they provide exceptional customer service we had at least three or four sit down meetings and it's not like they were charging us by the hour we said hey we have a question they're like come on in we'll work it out and they worked out everything we needed to do they will meet or beat any price and they also create online stores that can provide your employees with apparel or they can be profit centers 
Walker, we have beaten this horse to death. We will continue to do so because that is how much we like and support High Point Signs and Apparel. Your thoughts on just an absolutely fantastic company that has helped us out a ton. Yeah, there has never been a better uh, relationship when working with a company that I've had than High Point Signs and Apparel. Everything we just talked about is true. Everything we've said throughout this year was so true. Um, you know, they want to produce the best content that they can. So they help you create the best content that you can. And it's just like, it was so easy to work with the designing uh, with really talented people and being able to collaborate on ideas and everything where you're able to say something and they're going to put it into the actual designs and the, the afterwards being able to put it onto the store, helping out with the store. It was just such a seamless and easy thing to do with such talented people. And it was just a great job. So if you need anything for high, uh, state championships, playoffs, signs, apparel, anything you need, go check out High Point Signs and Apparel. They'll easily help you out, and you'll be de you'll definitely won't regret it. So, absolutely. So, as always, the links to High Point's website will be in the show notes. Go down there, click the link, schedule a consultation with them. They're fantastic. Get a quote. We cannot endorse them more. So, as always, thank you to High Point Signs and Apparel for sponsoring this episode. So, Walker, that being said, a quick message we will we will not be doing. Will they cover? Because an interesting note, uh, all four teams that we picked on will they cover made it to the state championship game. So I guess we got the uh, the undisputed favorites, right? But we're not doing will they cover because that would kind of defeat the entire purpose of us doing previews. But an interesting thing, I went back and did some diggings and got some extra spreads using both Massey ratings and Cal prep projections for all these games, just because it's state. Why not? I will say off the top, I think the Cal uh, prep projections are a little more conservative. They don't kind of the white, the margins aren't as wide, but I'll say that until we get into each specific game, starting with division one. Parrish versus St. Thomas. Parrish is a 20 and a half point favorite according to Massey ratings. They're a four and a half point favorite according to Cal Preps. For the first time in a long time, we are looking at a coin flip Division I state title. There might be a million points scored in this game. Both teams score 73 in their semifinal matchups, a season high for both squads. I think you have to start with the running backs on each team. Vanderbilt commit Johan Cardenas had seven touchdowns in his last matchup, whereas Harvard man Maddox Reed went for five. Both home run threats every time they touch it. You should expect at least three, probably more like four or five from each of them in this game. But each backfield is rounded out by an elite quarterback. Kansas State baseball commit, who I'm also sad is not playing collegiate football because he absolutely could go and ball out and do so. Dante Lewis is one of the most dynamic playmakers I've ever seen. Proving he has the strongest arm in the state this summer, the TXPS retreat. He is a dual threat in every sense of the word. But across from him is one of the best arms in the state and Purdue commit Sawyer Anderson, who has started every game in a Paris uniform since his freshman season. At wideout, you have Jalen Pyle versus Luke Edgecombe. Linebackers, Caleb Bowers versus Tyler Day. Defensive line is Michael Anthony Acora versus Caleb Mitchell Irving. I say all of this to emphasize the parity in this matchup. I mean it when I say it's a coin flip. And if there's ever a time for St. Thomas, it's right here. It's right now. I'm not betting against four straight. I can't. I can't bet against four straight. I know it's lazy logic. Again, I... This is basically 
me just just taking a shot in the dark. I mean it when I say this game goes either way, but I think Parrish just pulls it out. They've won four straight. Sawyer Anderson is is incredibly experienced. I I'm almost trying to justify the pick on the spot because a large part of me does want to take St. Thomas, but I just I feel like it's asinine to to not pick these guys that have played in four. This will be their fifth straight state championship. I I'm not even mentioning the coaching matchup of Novakov versus Rich McGuire. There's so many. I, I'm more just excited to cover this game. I hate I have to make a pick. Put me down for Parish Episcopal. I'm rocking with five straight. One of the greatest dynasties we have ever seen in the sport. Yeah. Um, yeah, you talk about program changers when it comes to this coaches. Both Rich McGuire and Novikov have done that with these squads. You know, Parrish was always a solid squad, and then Novikov came in and, you know, have put on the dominance that they are. Rich McGuire, I don't remember when they came in, but I want to say it's been a, around a decade or under, no, I think it's like seven, eight seasons now. And what he's done in those seasons, uh, turning around this St. Thomas program has been phenomenal. You have to say he's one of the greatest coaches in private school football for that reason. Let's look at some stats, Wes, that from our guys at LCSN, if if my if I may. Uh Parrish's last state title game was in 22. They won it, of course, in 22. St. Thomas's last state title game was in 01, and they've never won a tap state championship. That is surprising. When you talk about title game records, Parrish is six and oh in state title games, and St. Thomas is 0 and 1. Um, when you talk about the most state titles in TAPS history, uh Number six uh, with six is Dallas Paris Episcopal. Um, you know, if they made this one, they would tie Cedar Hill Trinity Christian, Nolan Catholic, and also Hallettsville Sacred Heart. Um, I don't, but, I don't, I don't consider Trinity of the real team. Agreed, but it is interesting to see. And just reading some stats, I'll do that for all the games because it's interesting. We love stats here. St. Thomas puts on for the H Town, where I don't. I don't remember the last time an H-Town school in Division One has won a state title. Last one with Grant Gannell and St. Pius had a chance, and they didn't get it done. I don't know the last one before that. And it's so interesting that this team that have come together for so long, what can they do to put this around? Both have elite running backs. Both have elite quarterbacks, great receiving cores, great defenses, offensive lines that are strong and fast and athletic. This is, like you said, a true coin flip. But there's one team that I've never doubted since the beginning of this thing. And I've been there since the beginning, and I'll be there to the end. It's the St. Thomas. You know what? No, I'll I'll flip it around, flip it around. So it just shows right there, St. Thomas. Mr. Uno, Dante Lewis, 2-3. Johan Cardenas, 82, Luke Edgecombe, 51, Anthony Peller, number nine, Tyler Day, number five, Aaron Valentine. They have so many dogs around this team. There's so many names I could keep going down the down the list. Um, just man, what a team. And you know that six and zero record for Parrish, it's a phenomenal in the state title games. Some things, sometimes perfect things are not supposed to last forever. And I think that's what happens here. Give me Uno. Give me two, three. Give me Houston St. Thomas in this one. I, I, this is the most excited I've been for a game in a very long time. I, 
I'm almost getting goosebumps thinking about it. Um, I I love I love the sport, dude. I it's fantastic. But we will provide <clears throat> about as many angles of coverage as you can get yeah. at the state game. We'll have live tweets. We'll have uh photographs with a gallery coming out. We'll have video recaps of the games. Anything you want, we'll have it. Incredibly excited to be there. But we move on to the TAPS Division II state title game. Liberty Christian out of Argyle versus Austin Regents. Liberty is a 32 and a half point favorite via Massey ratings. They're a 28 and a half or a 28 point favorite according to Cal Preps. The game for the ages will take place Friday night in Waco as undefeated Liberty Christian takes on 12 and 1 Austin Regents. Regents arrived here by absolutely demolishing every team in the South. Averaging 48 and allowing a whopping five points per game against Southern opponents, Regents reiterated this year that the South runs through Austin. They've been led here by fireworks from sophomore quarterback Quinn Murphy and senior wide receiver Hudson Powell, along with tenacious defense from Jacob Wilbur and Wyatt Blazek. However, Liberty is Liberty. Undoubtedly the favorite in this matchup, the talent on this roster is unlike anything I've seen in the sport. An air attack featuring Cole Oliver, Stump, Hawkins, Janusek, and Brown, the rushing ability of Garnett, a defense consisting of Saul, Sakiri, Blevins, Janusek, Witten, and Witten. It's absurd. In terms of the matchup itself, I want to see if this Regents defense is for real. They've been good enough to stifle the South, but the real test is a Liberty offense that's as good as I've ever seen. Flipping sides, I want to see if Liberty can contain Powell, whether that's going to be Blevins, Janusek, or a combination of both via zone. I think that will be a point of emphasis in the film room this week, as that is a large reason why Regents has been able to score on these opponents is an absolute unicorn. In Powell, I mean, I it's six six. He run what is it a four five laser? Yeah, four five three laser. That's six, that's that six, that should not that six, should not be allowed. Six seven, eighty two inch wingspan, four five three forty. He's been balling on these people this year, man. What a that, player! That's insane. Also should have should have more offers. Criminally underrated. But all that to say, this it's 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 incredibly incredibly i think a better matchup than people think yep and i've got to pick the game and i'll say what i said last week how do i go against liberty in the spot i can't they have absolutely waylaid every team they've played and again the crown jewel of this is what they did to a fort worth all saints team that is one of the better teams we've seen in a while from a talent standpoint and liberty went out and smacked them twice there's no reason I can't take them. There's nothing I would love to see more than Jacob Wilburn and Quinn Murphy go out and get a state title. I just, you're going up against a team that I am on record as saying, as I think they would beat 2017 Cedar Hill. I do. I, I, there's no way I can pick against Liberty in this spot. Again, I think it has the makings to be a great game. If Regents can slow it down and take the ball out of Liberty's hands. But as for the pick, I have to go with Liberty. We're going to pull up some stats like we do all the time. I'm going to do it again. Why not? Why not? Yes. For Liberty, the last state championship that they appeared in was 2009. The last state championship they won was 2007. So it's been a while for Liberty to get back to the state championship. 
for Regents. It was 2020 when they beat DC, and that was the last title how, game they were how in. Did they, how did they win that game? I believe TJ King threw an interception. And I, was it returned for? Oh, six? it was a pick six. It was a pick six. It was a pick six, and that's how they ended that one. Um, for, for the other stats, I'm not giving you satisfaction. Um, <laughs> for the win win loss record in title games, Liberty was is three and four in title games, and Regents is three and six. Both both have not lost. They've lost more than they've won. And for the st- most state titles. Austin Regents has won six titles in taps so far. Three and eleven man, three and six man. Um, you know, if they did that one, they would tie Cedar Hill Trinity, Nolan, Houseville, just like Parrish. Um, you know, this is a team, if you think about it for a while, has a little bit of history against each other. You would not think so, but in taps seven this summer, who played in the state championship of that one? I believe it was Liberty and Regents. I believe also in preseason they scrimmage each other in that that first week these are on the street was that regents beat liberty in the scrimmage i don't know what that means from a scrimmage but right these are teams that have faced each other a lot and fought a lot against each other so these teams are which is crazy enough they actually somewhat know each other from both sides of the state kind of funny enough but man firepower um talking about regions man this is the game for quinn murphy you know, he has a lot of pro, a lot of promise, you know, offered by all these Division One schools as already a sophomore, as a freshman, came into his freshman year with already a Division One offer but without playing a varsity snap and has rocked the world so far, man. Undefeated season um, with the guys like you mentioned, Hudson Powell, who's such an underrated guy, Chili Sayer on, on the, at the running back position, Blake Smith, Jacob Wilburn, Will Johnson. Jack Burkle, the, Drew Novi, like this team is so so solid, and I think they're gonna they're gonna fight Liberty hard in this one. I think they do, and I think you know Quinn is gonna have a statement here in this game to show, hey, you know what, I'm here, I'm here, but like you said, Liberty is Liberty, and how can I go against that team? We've, I've seen this team for so long, and what they pride themselves on is just demolishing teams. It's what they do. Even if you have hope, they're kind of like a, a boa constrictor where they just suck the life out of you slowly and slowly, and that's what you saw in the All Saints game where they thought they had life, but in the end, none. That is just what they do, and that's you know from the coaching that is um, – Jason Wynn, who knows all he knows is toughness and grittiness. And that's a, what he's instilled in this team. And man, I think Liberty comes out with the win here and gets their first state championship since 07. That is what they do. Or since, since 07. Yeah. I think they get it done here. I think Liberty wins their first state championship in all a decade. Man, what a team this Liberty team has been all year. And I think this is going to be a closer battle than I, than most people think, but I think Liberty gets the job done here. I agree. It's another matchup that is incredible. It's a great matchup and what will be four great games, I think. And there's not a game that I look at the slate and I say, that's a blowout. And that's why I love this year so much. It's going to be a fun time. But moving on to Division Three, the state title, Dallas Christian versus Holy Cross. Coming from Cal Preps, Dallas Christian is a 20-point favorite. 
three straight for the Chargers or a new champion in Division Three? We will find out Saturday at 7 p.m. in Waco. Dallas Christian has looked superhuman since the start of district play until last week. D.C. escaped Trinity Christian Lubbock with a 10-point win after beating them 35-0 to in the semis last year. Regardless, D.C. is still a heavy favorite in this matchup. An offense consisting of Carney, Nettles, Taylor, and Davis has put up 50 points a game and will look to outscore a Holy Cross squad averaging 41 and only allowing 8 points a game to Division Three opponents up until Cyprus. I'm interested to see who dictates tempo in this game. Remember, D.C. has traditionally been a tough, defensive-focused, grinded-out-on-offense team. Will they go back to those roots in order to try to dispose of Holy Cross? Or do you cut Carney, Nettles, and Taylor loose and just say, go play ball? On the flip side, does Holy Cross try to play ball control and limit D.C.'s offensive possessions? It seems unlikely based on Holy Cross's tempo this season, but it could be a key in winning this game. I want to take Holy Cross here. I really do. After I after I picked them last week in one of my greatest picks of all time, after DC started slow and almost got caught by TCS Lubbock, everything screams just one more week, stick your neck out there, take Holy Cross. I've never called Holy Cross a rolling ball of chainsaws. DC has put together literally not just a decade, decades upon decades, Decades of dominance. And listen, I know that past performance is not a guarantee of the future, but it might as well be with Dallas Christian. I'm, and I've said this before Dallas Christian cannot come into this game thinking they're the favorite. This Holy Cross squad is built to sneak up on favorites and assassinate them. It happened to Cyprus already. It could very well happen to DC if they sleep on this game. I have to take Dallas Christian in this matchup in in the same rationale as Liberty. Carney, Nettles, Taylor, Porter Nix, all of them, uh, both both Crawl brothers, um, Jaden Day, Jaden Davis. The talent is too good for me not to go with DC in this game. Yep. Um man, what a game. And, you know, let's go to the stats, my guy. You know. This is, you know, the last state championship Dallas Christian had was, of course, last year, and they won that one. Holy Cross has never made a state championship ever in TAPS. So this is the first of the era of Holy Cross. Dallas Christian has won 10 state championships and lost nine. Holy Cross, of course, has never been in one. And if they win this one, Dallas Christian would go up to 11, and they would – um <clears throat> Yeah, they would go up to 11 and would pass Shiner St. Paul for second place. And they would be one under Midland Christian for the most tap state titles ever. And which, I mean, you can make an argument. Midland had only Midland only has seven and 11 man. So you can make that argument that they would be the winniest and 11 man football ever in this in taps history. This is an interesting one. So Holy Cross is in uncharted territory. But this team is so unique and so difficult to defeat. And it's awesome because, you know, it, uh, I was able to go cover them in the first game of the season against Antonian and playing a tougher team like Antonian where, you know, they're a Division One team, they're bigger, they're faster, and they held with them for multiple games, like for most of that game. And 
that shows the toughness and the discipline of this team. And that was week one. And imagine what they are like now. You know what I mean? Beating the Cypress team is one of the toughest tasks I've ever seen. Remember, I was before the season and during the season, I said that Cypress Christian has a chance to compete with Dallas Christian. I didn't say win, but they definitely had a chance to compete that one. And if you beat that team that I say that, then that means you have a chance to compete in this one. And but they love being the underdog, which is what they do here. 210 people do not the, the people from the 210 do not get as much love as they do they should. But man, there's some dogs that come out of there. For example, just for AM, DeMarvin Leal, Jalen Jones, uh Kellen Mond, for example, just from Aggies who love San Antonio, who have done so much for this. You know, Smithson Valley, I guess, is a little bit north of San Antonio. But man, that those guys at the two one zero, they're so so talented, and you know I love the motto, the four two six family over there in San Antonio Holy Cross. It's what they represent. It's what they love, and I love that squad. But it's the rolling ball of chainsaws, and like you said, I've never had another team we've called that, and that's just who they are. They're disciplined, and I and not even that. I don't doubt that Holy Cross can fight it. It's just they've never been in this situation before. But the guy you want at the helm of a team going into the state championship, of course, is Mike Wheeler. He's been there before. He's done this routine too many of times. He's probably sick of it by now, but he still coaches to the best of his ability in every game he coaches because this is what he loves to do. And how can I take a guy like that with a team of the culture that they have and a guy like Speedy Nettles, give me the rolling ball of chainsaws. Give me DC. It's it's going to be another fun one. Like I said, not a game on this slate that you look at and say that's a blow. I think this has the makings of one of the best title games in recent memory. It's going to be a fun one. But before we get out of here, we have one final matchup, a Division Four state championship. First Baptist versus Lovett Christian. Lovett Christian is a 13.5-point favorite via Massey ratings. Cal Preps has Dallas First Baptist as a 9-point favorite. Who's ready for a rematch? October the 20th, Dallas First Baptist beats Lovett Christian 47-22, to which was more like 47-7. to that game was fairly soon following Welker Horn going down with an injury and the transitioning of Luke Lee from wide receiver to quarterback. Reason enough for the Lubbock Christian offense to be a bit discombobulated after shaking up your offensive structure. However, last week was very different for each squad. Lubbock Christian easily handled the best team in the South, Sacred Heart, 39-11, to while First Baptist found themselves in a war with district runner-up Northland, but ultimately pulled away 49-28. to Similar results, but arrived at in very different manners. The question to me here is, does Welker Horn play? At the first Baptist game, I was hearing he'd be back within a month. More recently, we've gotten word that he's done for the year. But at the Brazos Christian game, Lubbock trotted him out in warmups and acted like he was ready to go. All very confusing, but I wouldn't expect that he plays here. That being said, the very simple question here is, can Lubbock Christian's offense keep up with first Baptist because their defense isn't stopping them. This game is the race to 50 first team gets there wins the game. And I think Dallas first Baptist wins that race. This is quite possibly the best offense ever constructed in division four. You have, you have four, you have three division one guys 
catching footballs from a quarterback that could go division one as an athlete in Hunter McCoy, who is absolutely fantastic. Elijah Kaysen, Dominic Sadu Robinson, Caleb Mitchell. It's it's pick your poison with all three of those guys. Elijah Kaysen was a guy that we took literally a whole five minute segment to talk about how he's on the verge of breaking the Texas high school football touchdown receptions in a season record. It's it's insane. That's not even talking about, like I said, Hunter McCoy or Mark Rayson or or the secondary that First Baptist has. I think Lubbock Christian is a great team, and they displayed that with a dominant win over Sacred Heart uh, in the last round. I, I'm not betting against Dallas First Baptist. Um, I'll, I'll live and I'll die by that squad. Um, too much talent. If they can learn from the mistakes they made last week and come out and get to 50 points before Lubbock does, I think they will walk away with the state title. I'm going to have to go with you, man. I think First Baptist gets it done here. Uh, we've, Like you said, we've never seen an offense like this ever in Division Four. You know, because when China was so dominant, China just ran the ball because they were just physical and just tougher than you, and he could run the ball over you. No one has had an air raid like this where no matter what, you don't know what's coming, and they're going to, and when you try to defend it, they're already going to be five feet behind you. And that's what this team is. A transfer that was going to have a magnitude in that division, but no one was going to talk about it, which is dumb. Bad newspapers. Hunter McCoy. When Hunter, when Hunter McCoy was at Weatherford, we realized, oh my goodness, they have a dude here. And they put him and the rest of that team put Weatherford on the map that year. And with some injuries and other things that happened, you know, that didn't go their way. You know, he was like, you know what? I need to go to the best place for me. And he ended up at Dallas First Baptist. And what he's done for that team is you, you can't, it can't be talked about enough. Like that he is such an underrated cat. And, you know, he has some of the most fun highlight film you could ever watch. And, you know, what I'm so excited to finally watch him as a senior and being able to watch him do what he does best. It's just play the game, man. He's a gamer. He finds plays. He finds how to make the right reads. He might makes the right throws and he finds a way to win and how can i go against a guy like that give me hunter mccoy give me elijah case and give me dallas first baptist it's gonna be a fun one man i'm i'm really excited for it all of these games like i've said about 30 times in this episode already they're going to be great this is the most parody we have had in a long time heading into a state championship weekend it's gonna be fun man i like i said this is one of my no, probably my favorite weekend of every year, just because of the people we get to talk to, the hands we get to shake, and the athletes we get to cover. It's really a great time. Everything throughout the entire season builds to this weekend. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for everyone that has made it to this point. I'm excited to interact with anyone that will be there. Like I said at the top of the episode, if you see me, Walker, Waverly, or Caleb walking around, come say hi. We're happy to talk to anyone. We love getting to engage with this community. What are you going to say, Walker? I want to say my guy, Joe Gleason, is going to be there. I'm so excited to see him. If you see if you see this somehow, what's up, man? I'm excited to see you, man. I haven't been at, we haven't been at a game, and we always used to go cover UIL. I always used to see him at UIL games. I'm excited to see him. He's going to be at the St. Thomas game. But um, like you said, uh, 
it's going to be so much fun. Go say hi to one of us that's going to be there. And hey, I know you might not be in the state championship game or your son's not playing the state championship game. If you have a, if you have some time to go down to Waco on a Friday or Saturday, go watch some good football, go ahead and go do it. Come say hi. Go watch some good football. Go watch the state championships because the more crowd, the better. And let's go enjoy some high school football for the one last time this year. Absolutely. One final time for the 2023 season. We will all be there covering it. I'm incredibly excited. But until then, as always, I am one half of your hosting crew, West Hollison. Walker Lott has fantastically been the other half. We will see you to recap the state championships next week. See you later. Three, two, one. Yeah.